All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the New News Podcast. Here we go, episode three, brought to you again by Tracy's Karate. Be sure to give them a call if you're interested. Today, we're going to look at some Cardinals news. We're going to look at some news around the league, and then we're going to profile the Reds and Brewers in the Central Division. Stay tuned, because next episode, we're going to be looking at the Cubs and the Pirates. Here we go. Let's get into it. All right, guys. So we got some great news coming out of St. Louis this week. Scott Rowland was officially inducted into the Hall of Fame after a very long time on the ballot. It's way overdue. Um, great for him. He was an amazing hitter and also eight-time gold glove winner, I believe. Um, so very deserving for him. 70.1 career war. I'm not really sure why the writers took so long to vote him in, but I'm very glad that this happened. Yeah, I think Scott Rowland's time at the hot corner was definitely a big reason why it took so long. Um, it's just historically been really tough for a third baseman to get in. Most of them get in by like, you know, some eras committee. Um, only, I believe Scott Rowland was the ninth third baseman inducted by the BBWAA ballot. So like the original way to get in. So that's super exciting. Uh, it's 70 war, eight gold gloves, like you said, 18 year veteran. He won a world series. Um, you'd think that guy deserves to be in. You can't really tell the story of baseball between 1995 and 2010 without Scott Rowland. And so in my opinion, that's the criteria he's in. Um, I was looking around though, some social media and I saw some people that were really upset. Some people that didn't think he deserved it. Definitely some people that thought other people on the ballot deserved it more than him. I would have had Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland and Todd Helton all on my ballot. So that's my take here. What do you think, Gravy? Yeah. And uh, so looking at his stat page right now, he was in St. Louis from 2002 to 2007 and his offensive prowess was incredible while he was here. He hit 111 home runs and almost 500 RBIs in his time in St. Louis. And uh, his OPS was around 879. So during his time, he was absolutely elite and such a power hitter for us. And I think he's uh, one of the most deserving candidates for the Hall of Fame that we've seen in a while. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, he's part of that MV3 with Pujols and Edmonds. Uh, he just had, he had so many great years. I can't believe it took this long. And he started with a really low percentage, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but on his first year on the ballot, I believe it was either 12 or 14%. I think That's it was around lowest. 10, but- um, Maybe, yeah. Whatever yeah. it was though, it was the lowest all time for like a first ballot guy to end up getting in. So it took, it took way too long. Was this his seventh or eighth year on the ballot? It was, I think it was his sixth or seventh, yeah. Um, yeah. He's been I mean, on way too, long. Mm-hmm. way too long for Scott Rowland. I'm just happy for him. You know, shout out to Scott Rowland. Thanks for everything you did for St. Louis. So glad you can be on the ballot and so glad you can make it in. Uh, the most interesting question now that pops up with Roland is who's he going to, you know, what cap is he going to wear when he goes in? Because he changed teams in the middle, right? So we started with Philadelphia. I believe he spent seven years there, mm-hmm. then six years in St. Louis. And then he did have some time in Cincinnati and Toronto, if I'm correct. Um, but neither of those held a candle to what he did in those first two cities. So uh, I mean, yeah. definitely something to monitor he also might go in no cap a couple guys mm-hmm. have done that recently Mike Mussina did that um, in order to honor both teams that he played for for most of his career so we'll have to see really exciting stuff though and it is important to note that he won the world series with us in 2006 so mm-hmm. maybe that's uh, an important factor there I'm not sure if he won anywhere else he definitely did no he did not that's okay. his only title and I mean I feel like he won the bulk of his accolades here he did win rookie of the year in Philadelphia um which will help, but I don't know. I think he did more in St. Louis. So I would love to see him go in uh, with a Cardinals hat. I am interested if he wears a Cardinals hat in, um, will that get his number retired in St. Louis? 
I mean, when when the Cardinals inevitably trade for Mike Trout, he's going to have to wear a different number then. So I don't know about that. <laughs> Boy, we would love that, wouldn't we? Well, congratulations to Scott on an absolutely brilliant career. Congratulations to his family. We're just so glad that he got to spend part of that time here. Um, once again, one of the most deserving Hall of Fame candidates we've had in a while. I'm so glad he made it in. We've got some other interesting news coming out of St. Louis as well that we'd like to get into. Um, first up is the addition of Chip Carey to the Cardinals broadcast, replacing Danny Mack as the play-by-play -play voice of the Cardinals. What do you guys think of this move? Yeah, honestly, I think this is probably one of the best signings that we could have ever asked for for a play-by-play -play mm -hmm. announcer. And um, so yesterday I was watching one of his uh, best plays and he just, he's so animated when he uh, yeah. comes to baseball. And I just think he would be a great addition to our play-by-play -play team. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Danny Mack is hard to replace, like obviously been part of the Cardinals for like longer than even like Albert and Molina before yeah. they retired and losing him was pretty tough. But like with the with the controversies surrounding him, he definitely had to go. And I don't think we could have replaced him with anybody better. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I think most of Cardinal Nation feels the same way. Um, you know, Chip Carey's great. And Aaron Goldsmith was that other candidate that got people excited. I, I really wanted him. I thought he would have been phenomenal. But Chip Carey's great, too. Very animated, very exciting. Um, but you're right. Nobody was going to be Danny Mack. I would have said Danny Mack was one of the two or three best announcers in the game. Um, and it's just really hard to get that kind of elite broadcast booth talent. It's just really tough to find, especially these days when, you know, you don't have the guys like Vin Scully simulcasting and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm just really bummed. I think you know, knowing that you were going to lose Albert and Molina at the end of the year was really tough. And then to lose Danny Mac too, on top of all of it, you know, really felt like getting hit by a truck. So I'm glad though, you know, we're in good hands with Chip Carey and he's Harry Carey's grandson. So he's got that prestigious bloodline. So very exciting. A little bit more St. Louis news. Um, there's been some murmuring on the left-handed bullpen market. I, I've heard a little bit about St. Louis potentially being interested. Ugh potentially being interested in one of those relievers that's still available. I think the most interesting names right now are Zach Britton, um, Matt Moore, and then Andrew Chafin. What do you guys think? I would love to add Chafin personally. Yeah, honestly, I think Chafin is uh, one, like the person that I would love to see come to the Cardinals, but, um, and there's been a lot of uh, rumors circling around him for a lot of teams, but yeah. the, ultimately there hasn't been a whole lot of traction. It seems like with him signing with the team. So yeah. Hopefully we can uh, make a move before the season starts. Absolutely. I mean, the left-handed market has been really slow this offseason. I'm not really sure why. Um, a lot of teams could definitely benefit from some left-handed pitching help. And I think the Cardinals in that regard are a little bit shorthanded too because you got Zach Thompson, who I really trust, but he's relatively young and hasn't proven himself that for that long yet. And you have Genesis Cabrera, who really had a down year last year, um, had a lot of issues. And I don't really know if I would – necessarily hand the ball to them in any situation um, mm -hmm. and feel comfortable with that against like a really powerful lefty so if we could land one of those pitchers it would be a very nice addition well and Thompson was drafted and developed as a starter and I think the Cardinals do still want him to start at some point I think that's still in the plans especially with four guys coming off the books after this season the Cardinals would love for him to be a starting option so they don't want him to end up in the bullpen as far as I'm concerned they're still trying to get him to work on that fourth pitch um so I, I don't really, I, I would not want Zach Thompson to be a bullpen guy, even at the end of this season or next season, which means you really do need another left-hander. And you're right. You cannot rely on Hennessy Cabrera after the end of last season. There was really an implosion there. Um, and I, I mean, you know, I think he's going to have a bounce back year. I really hope he does because when he's, when he's at his best, 
he's one of the better left-handed pitchers in the National League. Um, but you can't be sure of that right now. And so I agree. The Cardinals definitely need to go after one of these left-handers. It's totally in the budget, right? I mean, payroll was supposed to go up. So I would think we should be in play for one of them. Will we land one? Only time will tell. Speaking of uh, pitching depth options, we have some news coming out around the league, not necessarily related to the Cardinals in regards to who I believe to be maybe the most coveted free agent of all time, Shohei Otani uh, of the Angels. And we just got some news that um, has some implications that he probably will not be sticking around in Anaheim long-term. Artie Moreno is not going to be selling the Angels after all, despite announcing that they would be for sale earlier in the offseason. Now, as someone who roots for the Angels part-time, of course, not nearly as much as the Cardinals, but it does hurt. Um, Artie Moreno has not run the Angels well at all. Um, you have the best player of the 2010s, in my opinion, in Mike Trout. Been to the playoffs one time and got swept. He yeah, has yeah. as many home runs in the postseason as Jake Arrieta, who's a starting pitcher. That's uh, pretty sad. That's um, yeah, it's not great. So that was that was the 2014 season, right? And they were swept out by the Royals. Yeah, they were. Um, Artie Moreno just doesn't know how to run a baseball team. And I feel like he definitely uses his hands too much in regards to like mm. the management of the team. Like he wanted Albert Pujols to go to Anaheim. Like, obviously we love Albert Pujols here, but that was Who not a good sign. Time. Was, was DePoto still the GM of the angels at that point in time? I'm not sure, but, um, but yeah, Artie I mean, Moreno, you know, the contracts, the angels have handed out multiple bad contracts in the last decade mm. after Albert, there was the Josh Hamilton deal. There was the Zach Cozart deal. There was the Anthony Rendon deal. You know, they have really tied their hands. Yes. And I believe Anthony Rendon is making $39 million still this year, which is, uh, you know, quite of a, quite of a big uh, overpay there. But um, yeah, they, they're just like anchored down by a lot of big contracts. And I feel like that could be an issue for them going forward. And I feel like Artie Moreno should have, uh, taking the team in another direction and maybe sold the team this year in order to yeah. um, make up for that. Absolutely. You'd love to see uh, the Angels be able to move on because you're right, this has been a long time now um, with very little excitement. And, and how can you not be exciting when you have a guy who pitches and hits? You have a guy who's got three MVPs already. He's already one of the best baseball players of all time. He's going to go down as you know one of the top five. He might be on the Mount Rushmore for a lot of people. And you can't win with the guy? Are you serious? No postseason wins? That's just terrible. I don't know. Um, it's my opinion, my very uh, unprofessional opinion, that Artie Moreno should have sold this team and the Angels should have been able to move on. It's a shame. Um, it really stinks for all the fans, too. So if you're an Angels fan like Andrew here, really, really sorry for you because it looks like it's going to just be more of the same. You know, I wouldn't be shocked to see them try to hand out another big contract um, for absolutely no reason in the coming days or in the coming years, so. And uh, circling back to Otani, um, I just saw a post that's uh, talking about the top five landing spots for Shohei, and they're recommending the Mets, the Dodgers, the Padres, the, the Yankees, and the Giants. So, and like, for me personally, I would hate to see him to go to those teams, but, um, you know, big contracts means big teams, and those guys will definitely be willing to spend the money on him. 
Yeah, we've heard of another team um, that might be interested. The, the Cardinals uh, are looking for starting pitching next offseason. Um, they only have Steven Matt signed on, and they're definitely looking for a left-handed power bat to complement Goldschmidt and Arenado in the lineup. So, you know, I think uh, with my expert all opinion, the problems at once. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's throw out a quick ballpark estimate here. How much money is Otani getting in free agency? Just give me a number. I think well, it starts with five. Starts with a five? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, honestly, like, if you look at his comps, like, he's one of the best left-handed hitters in baseball. And for contracts of that caliber, it's usually around 25 to $30 million a year just for that side of things. But when you look at his, like, ace starting pitcher stuff, like, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball as well. So you have to add that to the hitter, and you get maybe around $70 million, $80 million a year, in my opinion. I feel like that would be enough to that, that might be fair value but nobody's going to give him that money right like nobody nobody's going to give him more than i don't think there's any way he gets more than 57 or 58 million dollars in a single year because you're you might be taking on that kind of value but you're taking on so much more risk because these two mm-hmm. players are tied together it's not like signing two separate guys right yeah you have insurance here if if one of those guys gets hurt they're both hurt you know if, if shohei goes down he's not pitching or hitting for you and so that's why I don't think anybody's going to be able to fork over the money for two players, but I do think he'll shatter records. I do think he'll absolutely shatter the AAV record, um, probably the long-term guarantee record too. Yeah. And I was like, I was referring to the Mets in that situation just because I mean, oh. they, they love to, to spend money and they do looking at the, the Verlander contract. I think it was only for two years and like, what was it? $80 million. 86. Yeah. It's 43 a year. He and tied that's just, for, that's just for a starting pitcher. So, I mean, yeah. you never know what could happen with Otani. Yes, I don't know. Maybe he could approach 60. That just feels like too much to me. Yeah. I don't know. Because that that is like $60 million is, you know, about 40% of the Cardinals payroll right now. It's more than a lot of teams' payrolls completely. Which yeah. Is yeah, he'd be out making Cleveland on his own. And Cleveland contends. <laughs> take, take notes, Angels, please. Uh, moving around a little bit as well to the rest of the league, just some interesting quick hitters. Um, the Mets signed Jeff McNeil to a you know, little four-year, $50 million extension. I think it's a steal. McNeil's been great the last few years. And then a roll as Chapman to the Royals. That's an interesting move. I think he's going there to rebuild his value, right? They don't really need um, that kind of piece right now. But that could help, you know, it could help a roll this if he can play really well there. Maybe he'll get dealt to a contender at the deadline. I think it's trade bait. Um, yeah, uh, that's about it. Yeah, quick question about that. Was that just a one-year contract for, for Chapman? Yes, it was. I believe it was one year. It was pretty cheap, too. I mean, it's definitely trade bait. Um, he could be a really valuable piece of the deadline if he can regain his old form. You could definitely get, like, a mid-tier prospect for him um, at the deadline. Absolutely. All right. Well, now we would love to get into the meat of today's episode. Um, We're going to be profiling each of the teams in the Central outside of the Cardinals over the next two episodes. So today we're going to start with Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Uh, We're going to get into Cincinnati right now. So let's look at what they did in 2022. It was not a pretty year up in Cincinnati. Um, In sum it up in a word, each of you guys, what do you think? I'm going to say disastrous. Disastrous. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I thought it was it was salvageable at the end because you saw what they did in, in April, and that was really, really not great. And I feel like they, they bounced back a little bit 
um, throughout the well, rest of the season. Bounce back to finish with 100 losses still. So for context, Cincinnati started the season three and 22. Um, that is just I mean, that's, that's one of the worst starts to any team in baseball history. That's right up there with that Tigers team that lost 120 games. One of those three wins came against the Cardinals, by the way. Um, it did. It did. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's truly awful. The Reds really did have an absolutely brutal season. Um, and then they dealt away the only interesting pieces they had. It was nice to see Drury excel there, um, but then he was traded to the Padres. Castillo was their best. He's two-time All-Star. Uh, I guess he was their only All-Star this year, dealt to the Mariners and then extended. Um, who else did they ship out? Mally. So Mally, I think, was before the start of last season was shipped to the Twins. You're right. But the remains of that strong pitching staff that they had back in uh, 2020 during COVID year when they had one of the best pitching staffs in the NL, it's all gone now. Bauer, Malley, DeSclafani, Castillo. To think those guys were all on one team and they couldn't win. Gosman was there too. That's crazy. You, you've got to be able to win with those guys. Um, but Cincinnati has torn it all down again. So I think this is going to be another long rebuilding year. You do have a few interesting prospects, though, or not prospects, up-and-coming young players in Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. I feel mm -hmm. like if the Cardinals were to match up with those two pitchers in one series in particular, I would have doubts about the Cardinals winning that series because those two guys, when right, can be really nasty. For sure. Lodolo um, had an amazing season last year. It was actually better than Hunter Green's, although it was overshadowed because Hunter Green has the higher ceiling and is the more exciting prospect. But, you know, Lodolo last year, looking at his stats right now, was worth about three war, had an ERA of 366, ERA plus of 122, so well above average, finished sixth in rookie of the year voting, um, big strikeout guy, 11.4 per nine, and he threw over 100 innings. So he was out there, he was healthy. I'm really excited to see what he can do in year two. And then Green, obviously, was the more exciting of the two, because that's a starter who throws 100. You know, you don't find those all over the place. So... Yeah, you're right. They do have two budding aces. And then Graham Ashcraft is another interesting name behind those two who could do something for them pitching this year. But I still don't think it's going to be enough to start winning games because that offense might be the worst in baseball. I and mean, then, Hunter Green in the second half of 2022 had a 1.02 ERA. His first half was was pretty, pretty yeah. lackluster with a 5.78. But I think he really put it together in the second half. And he figured something. if he figured something out, he could definitely be one of the top Absolutely. Top pitchers terrifying. in baseball. It could be like a DeGrom type pitcher. Wow. Which is really scary. You heard it here first. Hunter Green comps to Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> that, is, that is bold. I'm not going to go that far, but I do think he's going to be a really good pitcher very soon. And he's got some filthy stuff. I mean, he, he's topping like 102 miles per hour with his fastball. And if he's able to work on locating it better, I feel like it's going to be un an unstoppable pitch. And yeah, his changeup is also pretty nasty as well. And then correct me if I'm wrong, the Reds have the ingredients to win. Why are they losing 100 games? Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Reds should not have traded Castillo then. You could build a super rotation with these guys. If you've got Castillo still there, two-time All-Star, he's contended for the Cy Young before. We all know he's loaded with talent. That's why he got that big extension from the Mariners. You've got him. You've got Hunter Green. You've got Nick Lodolo. You can piece together those back two guys. They have lots of options. They have lots of internal options to pitch. Graham Ashcraft was pretty good last year. I don't understand why they can't contend. I don't understand why they can't augment the offense by just spending a little bit of money. This feels to me like more Chiefs gate owners. Yeah, it looks like a, a Marlins comp if you if you really think about it. Um, mm. That lineup, I think a couple of those pieces in that lineup, if they figured it out, could definitely 
be promising. Jonathan India had a really uh, injury-plagued season last year. Uh, definitely didn't live up to the rookie of the year. Absolutely. That he got in, in 2021. Joey Votto was also hurt. Um, we know what he can do. Um, is yeah, he... Votto's led the NL in on-base percentage like nine times now. He's and, an absolute stud. And additionally, like, Tyler Stevenson looks amazing. And both his – I guess he's uh, – this is going to be his third year coming into the league. And last year, like, he's had some terrible luck. I know he got um, he got injured, and then when he came back from the, uh, the IL – he got injured like in the second game back with like a broken thumb and was out for the season. I think that he, I mean, he's, he's an incredible hitter. He just had some bad luck last year. I think he'll have a great season again next year. Yeah. He definitely looks like a budding talent at the catcher position. And so I look at this team and there's a lot of names, there's a lot of names I really like. And then they held on to some guys and then augmented the roster just a little bit this off season. The team's not expensive right now. They have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. It would not have been that big a deal to keep Castillo around for one more year and actually try to win. And that bullpen's great. Steamer thinks they're going to have one of the best bullpens in the NL. They've got Edwin Diaz's relative, Alexis Diaz, who was unhittable last year. He had a lower ERA than Edwin. He was amazing. Almost untouchable at the back of that pin. And then, you know, Lucas Sims was really good. Art Warren was great last year. So they have a ton of names. The pitching staff looks great. I don't understand why they why they want to tear it down. And especially with this extra wild card spot, I thought this would make more teams want to go for it, but it feels like it's it's clearer than ever who the contenders and who the pretenders are. I don't know. It's just a bummer. Um, but we'd love to talk about some of their young talent as well. Some of the prospects there are also really interesting. You've got Ellie uh, De La Cruz coming up soon. He is absolutely loaded with power. One of uh, minor league baseball's most promising talents. He's 10th overall in the new rankings. Um, and he's going to play shortstop, I think, for them. I, I was looking around and four of their top five prospects are shortstops. And then eight of their top nine are shortstops or third baseman. So they seem to be really loaded up at one position. Because then their second best prospect is Noel V. Marte, who they got back in the Castillo trade. Um, so I guess that left side of the infield is going to have a lot of competition. You're going to have to move some of these guys around, though. Yeah. And Ellie De La Cruz is a very interesting name. He's 21 years old and six foot five. So, yeah. you know, that's another like O'Neill Cruz type of. Uh, He's going to look a little bit like Aaron Judge there in the batter's box, just towering over the catcher. All right. I'd like to take some time um, now in the middle of this episode to shout out our sponsor, Tracy's Karate. First of all, I just wanted to note that in our last episode, we got the phone number wrong and we will correct that um, for this episode. Tracy's Karate has been serving the local St. Louis community since 1969, specializing in private lessons for practical and effective self-defense instruction. Private lessons allow Tracy's to teach anyone, focusing on your personal goals and your own learning style. Try out a free half-hour private lesson today. Call 314-821-0555 or visit tracys.com for more details. I know some of these guys personally, they're really awesome, and it's a fantastic opportunity to learn very valuable self-defense skills. If you decide to sign up, let them know that the crew at Newt News sent you. And again, the phone number is 314-821-0555. And you can also sign up at tracys.com. All right. Thank you again, Tracys, for sponsoring this episode. And now we're going to get into our preview of the Brewers. They look like they're going to be the Cardinals' top competition in the Central. What do you guys have for us? The Brewers are very interesting for me um, because obviously they have that top end starting pitching and we saw what that can do with a flawed team in the postseason, uh, specifically with the Phillies. Like we know very well as Cardinal fans that if you get, yeah, um, 
if you get a top team with two legitimate aces at the top of the rotation, it doesn't really matter what the rest of that team looks like. They're going to compete in the postseason. It's just a matter of whether or not they can get there. Um, you have Corbin Burns, who wasn't as great as his Scion year in 2021, but still showed ace. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, and Brandon Woodruff, um, I think had some injury issues last year, but definitely also we've seen what he can do. He can also be a number one for most teams. He would be the number one on the Cardinals, that's for sure. But in terms of the rest of that roster, I'm kind of puzzled by that lineup. Um, they shipped away Colton Wong, who is uh, one of my favorite players, by the way, um, to Seattle. It's great that we don't have to see him in Milwaukee anymore. That was unfortunate for me as a Cardinal fan. But yeah, it's um, tough. They got back Jesse Winker, who's a reclamation project for them. He definitely struggled with Seattle. But I'm not really sure why they made that deal, because the Brewers last year, in terms of offensive production, they hit a lot of home runs, but they didn't really hit for average. And Colton Wong is an average guy. He doesn't hit a lot of home runs. He's a speed defender. What was Colton Wong's average last year, though? I mean, let's let's look at Wong's offensive stats. I do think they've slipped a little bit recently. He's getting up there in age. Colton Wong's 32 now. Last year, he batted, yeah, 251 with a 339 on base. So his on-base numbers are still on par with some of his better, like, years in St. Louis, which is still Sure, but I think Colton Wong has really shifted into a bit of a slugger. He did have his best season yet by OPS Plus standards, 118. Mm -hmm. um, but he did that with a 430 slug. You know, Colton Wong hits you 15 bombs and 24 doubles. I mean, he had over 40 extra base hits last year, and he was only hitting 251. That's the lowest average he's put out since 2018 in St. Louis, which was probably his worst offensive year there. So I don't know. I definitely think Colton Wong is not fitting that philosophy if you're looking for some average guys. And Winker at times has shown that he can hit 300, and he's a former NL Central killer. I personally love the deal for Milwaukee. Yes, and I, I believe he's going to be a free agent after the 2023 season anyway. So I feel like they uh, they made the best of that and were able to get Jesse Winker in return. And I believe Abraham Del Toro was also yeah, Abraham Del Toro was the other name. He started with the Astros and then was dealt in the Kendall Graveman deal to the Mariners, I think, and then yeah. was shipped over. Um, but he hasn't done much. You know, he big name as a prospect, but really has yet to catch on. But if anyone can catch on, they'll catch on with the Brewers. I mean, you look at this lineup again, um, Rowdy Telez, power hitter. Um, that's kind of all that he really does. Um, Christian Yelich, I mean, if he finds it, I'm going to be terrified. Um, when he found it in 18 and 19, the Brewers won the Central, I believe, both times. They did not win in 2019. They won in 2018. Okay. Um, well, I think that's a big if, though, for Christian Yelich to find his swing again, because Yelich has been either average or below average, I guess, three years running now. Because mm -hmm. uh, he had that MVP season, then the MVP finish, where he almost won it again. But since then, he's been not great. Last year, Yelich was a 111 OPS plus guy. So he was a worse hitter than Wong by that metric. Only a 738 OPS. He's hitting 250 the last couple of years. He just hasn't been great. And I've heard that he's been plagued by uh, some sort of back issue recently, maybe in the past couple of years, and that has uh, somehow affected his swing. Yes. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I, I personally like Christian Yelich. I hope he finds his, uh, his prowess again. But uh, in terms of looking at the rest of the lineup, I think 
that he's probably their best overall hitter still. Um, yeah, definitely with the departure of Renfro, who was de- to me the scariest name in that lineup last year. I can't believe they let him walk. I think that was a big mistake. I mean, there have been rumors that Renfro is not a great clubhouse presence, and he's been shipped like four times in the last four years, something like that. So, did he start in San Diego? I believe so. And then he went to Tampa, Tampa, to Boston, Boston, Milwaukee, Milwaukee to Anaheim. Yeah. Interesting career path. Yeah, he has been traded around. Um, I think you guys are both forgetting Willie Adamas. I I know he's a more complete player in uh, in terms of like defensively, like he's a good defender. But he's also definitely a scary bat in that lineup. I don't like seeing Willie Adamas when we face the Brewers. But um, it's a great trade with them. Um, yeah. Because who'd they send? I think they sent uh, Feierheisen and another reliever for Adamas from the Rays. Although the relievers they sent have been great too. So yeah. I don't know. Win for everybody there. Yeah. And, and when he was traded to the Brewers, I remember, uh, I guess it was two years ago now, he really turned it up when he became a Brewer. He, yes. He hit up. He hit a lot of home runs in that final stretch going into uh, I think twenty twenty one, and even last year he still ended up with like thirty one bombs and ninety eight RBIs. So he's he's still one of the best power hitters, at least at shortstop position in baseball. So a huge reason the Brewers have contended. You know, I mean, it was an unbelievable get for them, and he was replacing. I guess Orlando Arcia was there before him, and then after that, it would have been Luis Urias, who just mm-hmm. really you know hasn't turned into what we thought he would. I mean, if we're talking about good Brewers trades, I think they fleeced the Braves for William oh, Contreras. Oh, absolutely. 100%. They didn't give anything up for William Contreras. I was shocked. And that's a great young bat. How is he changing teams right now? I understand the Braves got Sean Murphy, but come on, let the guy DH. Yeah, and also um, we got ourselves a fun little rivalry in the uh, in the Central now with, uh, with uh, Wilson sure. Contreras, who's the better Contreras, by the way. Um, Hopefully. But, uh, sure. <laughs> he yeah. needs. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think both of them could be all-stars again this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun and it's, it's good for, it's great for uh, William Contreras because now he's going to be an everyday catcher again, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they let Narvaez go if I'm correct. Um, so, you know, I guess William Contreras is going to be the guy there and he definitely wasn't going to be in Atlanta. So good for him. I'm glad he's going to get to step into that role. I'm actually, I'm very excited to see the sibling rivalry take place in the field between the our two teams. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see him, you know, William comes up to bat and Wilson's behind the plate. It's going to be great. Yeah. I remember um, when Jose Molina came to St. Louis with the Rays, I think Yachty left like crackers or something for him on the home plate. That's pretty <laughs> funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are so fun. Baseball is so cool like that. Cause I feel like there's a lot of, you know, families, that, that play together. And that's just really great. You have the Molinas, you've got the Contreras's, you know, that's really special. All right, I want to cover the bullpen real quick because um, the Brewers obviously are missing a key piece of that bullpen that they had last year in Josh Hader, who they shipped to San Diego. I know he didn't necessarily have a great um, middle half of the season. And I think that's putting it lightly. Um, he was yeah. not great, but I think he found it in the postseason, And I think the Brewers are really going to miss him throughout mm-hmm. next season. I don't know if Devin Williams can hold it down. Well, Devin Williams had a good year statistically, but in the big moments, he was not there. If you recall at the end of the season, there were a couple games in a row that Williams really struggled in. And as a Cardinals fan, I was very much enjoying that. 
Um, but that really cost the Brewers, you know, just a couple more games, they might've been able to slide into that third wildcard spot. Um, so you do have to wonder how's that going to affect Devin Williams moving forward. They have a couple other interesting names at the back of the pen. Matt Bush is still there. Right. Um, and then they've got one name that I can't pronounce at all. So I don't even know if I'm going to try, but you know, he's a 27. Lucky. Yeah. 27 okay. year old lefty. So he's an interesting name as well, but you're right. Missing Josh Hader is going to be absolutely brutal for the Brewers. And he's been such a consistent dominant presence there the last few years. Looking at the roster resource page, I see that um, the Brewers also have Ashby and Hauser as long men in the bullpen now. They were both starters last year. Um, so that's that's kind of scary that they have they have guys there that, that can go multiple innings and be solid. So I'm a little mm -hmm. bit afraid of that. But I don't know. There's a lot of question marks in this Brewers bullpen, I feel like, without Hader. And um, the depth is going to be tested. Yes. And, uh, so Devin Williams last year, he was uh, pretty angry at the Brewers front office for dealing Josh Hader away. And he, was. he himself said he was not ready to be in, in that closer role just yet. He didn't feel like he was the right guy for that. But, uh, you know, towards the end of the season, I think he he definitely turned it around and became that uh, lead guy. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at the names for their relievers right now. And, I mean, it, it's projecting that Matt Bush is going to be their number two guy. But he is 37 years old. So yeah, he's, he's really getting up there. Sure. Um, so, I mean, their bullpen doesn't look as complete as it was last year with Hayter, but um, I, I do still think they'll have a good season. When one of the big gets in that Hayter trade was Rogers, right? So it was kind of a closer for closer swap with a little bit more sent in by the Padres to make it even because Hayter's clearly the superior pitcher, but they let him walk. I believe he signed in San Francisco. And now, you know, those twins will be together, more family. Mm -hmm. um, but they let him walk. That's crazy. He was one of the big gets. I mean, he was I not great. With um, with the Brewers uh, last year at all, I think he really um, fell off in Milwaukee even more than he did in, in San Diego. And I don't know uh, personally. I remember Taylor Taylor Rogers or Tyler. It was Taylor, right? Um, Taylor yeah. Rogers was a guy I was always looking forward to to seeing because um, during during the pools chase to, to seven hundred, I was like, oh, if Taylor Rogers comes comes in, he's a lefty, and, and Albert's gonna absolutely crush a few off him. And I and I think he did so. Um, I guess yeah, for sure. Um, but I just think, you know, a former closer like that, someone who's still young, plenty of time to bounce back. I don't know. I think that would have been a great name for them to add to their pen. Could have really rounded out that pitching staff a little bit. And he's a lefty. So you'd love to see more of that depth back there. And honestly, I mean, it was a little confusing. Uh, another member of that Josh Hader trade was the Nelson Lamette. And as yeah. we know, a few days after he was traded to the Brewers, he was DFA'd and the Rockies picked him up. Um, and of course we know what happens, uh, when he was, uh, when he was a Rocky, he, uh, gave us a walk off, like, or I, I think it was like a three, three walks and then a hit by pitch for Tyler O'Neill. And we yep. went for a walk off. I think that was, uh, the Josh Hader trade that just kept on giving. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I like to say the Cardinals won the Josh Hader trade, but I think Hader <laughs> did actually pay off for San Diego in the end. So, you know, they, they did get some value there. Yeah, I don't know. I just think I don't really see what the point of that trade was now. Um, it certainly looks like a, a bit of a sunk cost for the Brewers. Um, I don't know why you're trading a generational reliever like Hater in the first place. Um, but that's just me. But when I look at this team overall, you know, it's it's pretty obvious most fans feel the same way about the Brewers. They've got a really strong front three, 
right? Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. And we haven't even mentioned Peralta yet. He had some injury issues last year as well. He's going to be a good pitcher again this year. There's almost no way he's not good. He's been great in the past. Um, and then the bullpen is really shaky after Devin Williams. And then the lineup is shaky all over the place. So you have to wonder how many games can they win with this pitching staff, but with this offense? I think it's a little bit more of a Marlins situation again. Um, we've hit on it a couple times this episode, but the teams with good pitching and poorly uh, structured lineups like the, like the Brewers, Marlins and the Reds, yeah. Don't tend to win a lot of games because if you if you don't score, you can't you can't win, right? Like it is the name of the game. You do have to outscore the opponent. And I'm not sure the Brewers are going to be able to do that much this year. I think them and the Reds are actually really similar. The Brewers are a little bit better across the board. You know, the Brewers have the developed pitching, the Reds have the developing pitching. The Brewers have a bad lineup, the Reds have a terrible lineup. Um, the Brewers have some bigger names in the bullpen than the Reds, but they both have something to dream on. Um, maybe they're just another, you know, more evolved state of the Reds, but neither of these teams really strikes a ton of fear into my heart as a Cardinals fan. I don't think the Brewers can win many more than about 85 to 87 games with this lineup. Maybe they'll contend for a wildcard spot, but I think the Cardinals will take the division handily. I, I also think the Cardinals in regards to the Brewers, um, definitely have a leg up on them in terms of lineup mm -hmm. our pitching is always going to be there like i know we complain about not having that strikeout pitcher but sure. i don't think any pitcher can truly be that bad with st louis because we do have such a good defense yeah and the, we're playing at pitcher's park mm -hmm. so i don't know it'll be interesting to see what the brewers throw together this season um but i'm not as afraid of them as i was a year ago not at all yeah, and honestly, last year, I think we won the season series with them, like, by one game. I think it was uh, 10 to 9 for us. Yeah, really close. And, um, I, I could see us doing better than that this year. But, you know, with the division rival rivalry, it's always, uh, uh, you know, up in the air as to who will win the series. So we shall see how that turns out. Yeah, if you want to preview the Cardinals a little bit, um, I think – a lot of the the struggles that we had against the Brewers were earlier in the season when Albert's bat hadn't necessarily clicked. And I know Albert was like obviously so huge for us in the second half of the season, but in the first half, like we only really had two real bats in this lineup. And I think Contreras is going to be a much more consistent presence throughout the lineup throughout the entire season. It's mm -hmm. not going to take some like crazy reawakening like Albert had. Um, I think he'll just be consistently good throughout the entire season. Absolutely. I just think if you look at these teams right now, coming out of last season, there's a seven game gap, right? The Cardinals win the division by seven games last year. Um, I think the Brewers got worse. I love the, I love the Contreras edition. Um, but I think for them, like the, the William Contreras edition, I love both Contreras editions. Um, but I love them adding William Contreras, but I do think they got worse. I think shipping out Josh Hader was a big mistake. If anything, they might've stayed the same, but I look at the Cardinals, I think they got better. And so I don't see this gap getting smaller. You know, I don't see them making up seven games. That's a lot. That is a lot of ground to make up. So where do you guys have the Brewers finishing in this division? I mean, I think I have to have them finishing second. Um, I know we're going to break down the Cubs next, next week, but um, I don't think the Cubs have the pitching depth that needed to com compete with the Brewers in that regard. Absolutely. And the lineup depth for the Cubs, I know they added a few reclamation projects and Bellinger, Mancini, uh, Swanson's a big ad for them, but I don't think their lineup is, is star studded enough like the Cardinals is. 
to really compete with, with that pitching. Not at all. And then circle back just a bit. Where do you have the Reds finishing? It's, it's fourth or fifth. Are they in the basement or are they just out of it? You know, we're going to touch on this next week with the Pirates, but yeah, I believe in magic. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, going back to the Pirates, um, I think he saw what Albert did last season. And he's like, you know, I'm kind of at the end of my career. I'd like to finish strong and maybe juice my numbers a little bit. And so a little bit of Andrew McCutcheon, turn back the clock magic, bring the Pirates out of the cellar. Yeah, I think the Reds will finish in fifth place. I also have them in fifth. Gravy, where are they for you? Yeah, honestly, I agree. I think for the Central Division, it'll be the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs. I'm going to say the Pirates are going to pass up the Reds as well. I, I do believe Andrew McCutcheon is going to have a really nice farewell tour with the Pirates this year. Um, I mean, he was just such a such a beast for them for so long. And he won yeah, the that 2013 MVP season. He beat out our own Goldie, although he was with the Diamondbacks at that point. Yeah. All right, and then one more thing I wanted to touch on with the Brewers. We just want to cover some names to know. Um, you know, you might not remember Keston Hira, but he's going to be back this year. He should be healthy. He should be ready to go. And then they've got some fascinating prospects who could be coming up as well. There's Jackson Churio, who I don't think is going to debut this year. I think he's going to be a next year guy. But then after him, you've got Joey Weimer, you've got Sal Freelich, and you've got Garrett Mitchell, I believe, who are all some stud young outfielders. So the Brewers could really be bolstering that outfield as soon as May, um, if they're looking to call these guys up. Expect South Freelick to contend for um, NL Rookie of the Year. He's a great name to learn. Uh, so, yeah, the Brewers do have a lot of exciting talent in that farm system coming up. And a lot of it on the offensive side where they need the help. Um, so I do think they have a chance. If these guys come up and pop, I think they could push the Cardinals for the division. I think that's the best way. I think if the Brewers make the playoffs, it's going to be because their young talent came up and really, really hit the ground running. Um, if they don't, it's going to be because either they didn't bring the guys up or the guys didn't perform the way they hoped they would. If you're looking at a starting pitching, I know the Otani thing is a pipe dream, um, but uh, the Brewers could be an interesting team to look at at the deadline. If they struggle, if they hit the ground struggling, we know that they like offloading payroll. That's why Hayter's gone. That's why Wong is gone. Burns and Woodruff are in, I believe, their second year of arbitration this year, and they'll hit their third year of arbitration in 2024. So that means they only have two years left as Brewers. I don't know if they'll trade in division, but if they really struggle. Um, up. Let me yeah. check the contracts real quick. I'm going to hit sport track real quick. Yeah, and honestly, and, and Burns is, uh, he's due for a payday after his incredible time in. in oh, for Burns. sure. And I believe he won the Cy Young. Was it 2021 where he won? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so. Did an unbelievable uh, season. Wherever he gets dealt, he's definitely going to get a, a large return for him um, if he does get dealt um, in the next couple of seasons. And then there's also Freddie Peralta, and he will be, oh, he's got some club options. Never mind. The Brewers can technically lock him up all the way through 2026 with two years of club option, and he's the most affordable of the three, so I don't think he'll be traded but I could absolutely see Woodruff being offloaded this season. Would be Especially if the Brewers aren't going to contend, they might want to reset everything, you know, and get ready for these young guys to come up because Churio's probably a 2024, maybe 2025 call up. Mm -hmm. This could be interesting. Interestingly, Woodruff is a super two player. So that means he'll get that fourth year of arbitration. 
and he's already making 11 million in arbitration this year. So he could be really expensive next year. And then he's a free agent in 2025. I could see the Brewers looking to offload him. So maybe the Cardinals pay some attention at the deadline. I think it'll take a lot for a, a division rival to pry uh, I think one of those guys away. But hey, maybe maybe they're interested in some of our lower tier prospects. Um, I think so as well. But you know, you never know. The Cardinals were linked to Castillo a lot. We didn't end up dealing for him, but it's possible. We've done division trades before as well. So um, I'm hopeful because the Cardinals definitely we're all thinking they need to add a starter at some point this season. You're expecting somebody to get hurt. You're expecting somebody to be ineffective. So they will be in the market. And uh, I mean, in division Quintana last year. Yeah. Yeah. So Quintana was you, do, you do really never know. And uh, looking at the pirates right now, 43 year old Rich Hill seems very enticing for the Cardinals front office. <laughs> We love guys in their late 30s, early 40s. Well, the Cardinals also like players from Asia, like Miles Michaelis and Drew Verhagen. Maybe, maybe a player from Asia. Yeah. Hong Yun Kim, Sung Wan Oh, Shohei Otani. Yeah. Right. That'd be unreal. I, I do hope we get him, but I just don't think it's very possible. But all right, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up here for our third episode. So thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. Join us next week for team profiles of the Cardinals, other two division rivals, like we hinted at earlier, the pirates and the Cubs. If you enjoyed, please leave a like and review and consider subscribing. Please subscribe, follow Newt news on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Newt news pod, and check out our official blog where we post all sorts of great content. We've also posted written versions of these previews. We'd love for you guys to go get them a look. The Cubs preview and pirates preview are on the way. Have a great day, and we hope to see you again next week here at Newt News.